have you ever had someone say to you in response to, hey, tell me about your family or tell me about whatever, and then they say, well, it's complicated. And sometimes we use that expression, it's somewhat of a, a common expression today. Well, it's kind of complicated. And really what they're saying is it's a bit messy, and, uh, but it's family. And that's kind of the way it is. We're in this Sunday evening series that we have, again, we've said for lack of a better title, called Messy Church. Now, we're not intending to say that God's plan is messy, but oftentimes it gets complicated when we try to understand what, what is the place that the church is to hold and to have, and we as members in particular, in a culture, a society, a world that is, in, in, before our very eyes, it's kind of flying apart. So where do we fit in the day in which we find ourselves? Okay, sometimes we use this expression. Have you ever, you know, said, count me in? Hey, count me in. And we use it for a lot of different things. You know, I was thinking about, um, we would use it in this kind of an expression. We, someone might say, hey, who wants to go get ice cream? And we would say, count me in, you know, or hey, who wants to go play some basketball? Oh, yeah, 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 count me in. Um, who wants pizza for dinner? Count me in, you know. Who's coming to the cookie fellowship? Count me in. You know, that kind of thing, we use the expression, count me in. No, really, in a sense, what we're saying is number me among those who are going to participate. I want to be, count me in. We're really saying number me among those that are signing up on such a regular basis. I mean, we say this all the time. Hey, if you're going to participate in, then sign up on Realm or send an email to. Could we all say it together? Do you know it that well? Send an email to, what is it? That was actually pretty good. Okay, so sign up at campuschurch.com. Again, all we're saying is count me in. Hey, number me among those who are participating. So take your Bible tonight and join me in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. This idea of, hey, count me in. Or number me among those who are participating is the, the basis of what we're going to be addressing tonight. And the title of the message this evening, again, we're trying to set some things foundationally that we should understand um, before we, in, in a sense, dig in a little bit deeper. So the title of the message tonight is, is very straightforward and it is numbered with transgressors numbered with transgressors. Your Bibles are open to Isaiah chapter 53. Let's give ourselves a little, a little runway here. Let's, let's start in verse number, we, we really could start in a number of different places. We know specifically who this passage is speaking about. If we started in verse number four, we would look at, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We, we would have looked at him and said, well, he must be on the outs with God because of the manner with which he is being treated. Verse number, um, verse number five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. It continues to detail the plight of this Messiah. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Now, if we continue to read, we, we just continue to see the, the plight that he actually takes upon himself. Look at verse number seven. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Sheep before his shears is dumb, he openeth not his mouth. He is taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Notice this, and he made his grave. He made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Ah, our propitiation. By his knowledge shall... My righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, and this is really our text or the last half of this verse. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And if you wanted a text for our message tonight, it is this. And he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors he was numbered with the transgressors I, I'm this is not a stretch this is not just a uh, use of vocabulary that's convenient you really could say that when we're talking about who's going to join with this group, Jesus was not a transgressor. So please, let's be clear about this. But when we're saying who's going to be identified with this group, it's almost as if you see Jesus saying, count me in. Count me in. For the sinless, spotless one to be numbered with transgressors? In, in speaking on this passage of scripture, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, a vague notion is abroad in the world that the benefit of Christ's passion is intended only for good people. The preaching of some ministers and the talk of some professors would lead the uninstructed to imagine that Christ came into the world to save the righteous, to call the godly to repentance, and to heal those who were never sick. Have you ever just paused to wonder how God could be glorified by washing the clean? Where is the, the magnificent wonder of God's glory if all he did was send Jesus so that he could come and, and wash those who were in no need of washing? And where is the, the amazing aspect of grace 
if grace is given to those who by their righteous deeds have actually earned it. Well, I'm, I'm one of those who actually qualifies because of my goodness to be the recipient of grace. Where is the amazing aspect of grace if someone can actually say that I am those who have earned the good favor of Almighty God? So lest there again be any confusion, Jesus was clear about to whom he was coming to minister. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, we read, When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous. We may even understand by implication that Jesus was really saying, I didn't come to call the self-righteous. But there were those who said, well, we're in no need of what you're offering. Jesus said, okay, I, I didn't come to call the righteous. But he finishes that, but sinners to repentance. So we talk a lot about the good news and, and we lovingly refer to this as the gospel. That being the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this being the answer to the needs of mankind. That only Christ, this perfect, sinless, spotless sacrifice could be an acceptable satisfaction for the holiness of God. Well, when we start to understand this, we also understand that Christ came to offer this to people that were in need. And he came and numbered himself with, among the transgressors. The, the first thing that I notice about this passage is willingly, Christ enrolled himself among sinners. Willingly, Christ enrolled himself among the sinners. Now, we're all sinners. We know that, right? I mean, we give this, this head acknowledgement to the fact, yes, I know I am a sinner. But have you ever, we haven't voiced this, we don't normally say this, but have you ever seen people that we would say, oh, now they are sinners, you know what I'm talking about, right? Now, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm not that kind of a sinner. You know what I mean? So there, 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 there's a different kind of, there's a different caliber of sinner. And, um, and I'm a sinner, but I'm not really that kind of sinner. Uh, among, among whom did Christ truly come and willingly say, number me among? And it, and it wasn't a, I don't know, a, a washed up brand of sinner. It was sinners of every sort, of every stripe, of every size, any kind of imaginable sin. The kind of sin that, that truly makes us uncomfortable. He willingly enrolls himself among sinners. You say, well, how did he do that? You know, the first way is somewhat remarkable. Remember, we know that, that when the fullness of time was come, he put on flesh, okay? When the fullness of time was come, Christ was born and he comes under the law to redeem those because, okay, I'm coming underneath the law at the, just the right time um, to redeem those that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons so that we can actually call God the Father, not God in heaven and not even utter his name, 
lest we violate the command of don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, we actually can now say, Abba, Papa, to this end, Jesus came. Okay, so, so how does he number himself with sinners? I know he, he came to, to allow us to call him Papa, Father, God. How, how does he number himself? Well, first of all, he's part of the census. Isn't that interesting? That there goes out this decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. What is this? Well, this is this attempt to have this, this global census to be taken. So let's go ahead and let's see what people are going to be numbered in my kingdom. Who now, okay, and when the, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. Who is it that is actually part of this census that is taken? Who is numbered among mankind? Jesus. Okay, l- let me count how many people are in my kingdom. Can you imagine the king? being counted as part of someone else's kingdom. The creator, almighty God, is now, uh, let's, take, let's, let's do some counting. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. And Jesus, he is, he is numbered with, counted among, even at his birth, transgressors. Okay, how else does he identify with people just like you and me, sinners? of every shade, shape, size, kind. How else is he numbered? Well, do you remember when he comes to the baptizer? John is preaching what message? What kind of message is John preaching? He is, he's preparing the way and John is preaching a message of and providing a baptism toward preparation and specifically repentance, change. You know, amend your ways. The the Messiah is coming and John is preparing the way. John says, actually says, hey, listen, there's one who's coming. Uh, Listen, I'm not worthy to unlatch his shoes. (laughs) To touch his shoe latch, I'm not even worthy to do that. And then behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The lamb comes and he comes to be baptized. And now John has never fumbled over his words. This billowing voice in the wilderness. And now Jesus says, I've come to be baptized of you. And John starts to swallow his words. No, Jesus, no. No, 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 no. Jesus, you baptize me. Let's do it that way. You baptize me. I wonder if John had even been baptized. He comes preaching this message and prepare you the way. But John said, no, 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 Jesus. I can't baptize you. No, you baptize me. I'm taking liberties with this, of course, but do you understand? John is saying, I know, Jesus, you do not, I need to be baptized of you. I'm taking no liberties with that. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. That, that everything might be fulfilled. Everything has to be done properly, decently, orderly. Why does Jesus come and why is Jesus baptized? I'll tell you why I believe he's baptized because count me. Okay, these are transgressors. He's not a transgressor, he's God, but he came under the law and he said, count me, number me among that group. 
I'm going to be baptized of John. He's, he's numbered at his birth. He's numbered as his, at his baptism. He's numbered as a blasphemer. He's numbered as a, now he wasn't, but he is actually numbered among us as a blasphemer. This happened on a couple occasions. This charge is laid against Jesus. In John chapter 10, beginning in verse number 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? What do they do? They said, no, 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 not for your works, but for your words. And you are a blasphemer. What is it that the high priest does when he has Jesus on trial? He rips his robe. Ah, wrong. The, 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 the high priest is not to do that. He rip, tears his robe and he says, blaspheme. What further proof have we any need of? He's a blasphemer. Jesus actually allows this. And, and as a lamb before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Why allow this charge to be laid? Blaspheme, to wrongly represent deity to make some charge, some claim that is purely of, of, of a less nature than that which deserves the holiness of almighty God. And now this charge of blasphemy is laid to Jesus. Why not refute the charge? Why not say, how dare you make that claim against me? Because Jesus is, count me, numbered with the transgressors. And then of course it is burial. Jesus numbered with transgressors at burial. Okay, death reign. We've talked about that, of course, through the book of Romans, death reign. Do, do you want to talk, in a sense, about the ultimate humiliation for God? To say it's all done, and the same thing that has conquered every man has now conquered you. Death. And Jesus is placed in a borrowed tomb even in his death, and, and they, they take his body, they prepare his body. And just like every man, just like person after person, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, age upon age, people's bodies have returned to that from whence they came. We say it, I've said it, I've said it so many times, earth to earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. We are committing to the ground that which we look forward to with the hope of the resurrection. Jesus places himself, numbers himself with those who rightly deserve death, and yet Jesus does so willingly. Well, we see willingly Christ enrolled himself among sinners, but it doesn't end there. Why did Christ, why number himself with transgressors? I think just a couple reasons this evening. First of all, he does so for a reason that we find compelling in 1 John chapter 2. Let me read the passage. My little children, John the Apostle writing, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. He's saying, okay, now listen, I'm writing this to you, my children. These are believers, those that are walking with Christ. But he says, I'm, I'm, I'm writing to you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Remember, he's not a transgressor. He is the righteous one. But 
Jesus Christ came, was numbered among transgressors so that he could be the advocate on behalf of transgressors. Why does Jesus come? Why is it that he's numbered? Well, to be our advocate, to plead on our behalf. The word advocate here, it's a word that, that many of you would be familiar with. Parakaleo. It's the, the, the word, mean, it's sometimes used of the Holy Spirit. It's this one who is called alongside. We oftentimes translate this word as comforter. Ah, the comforter. We, we, we know the reality that presence matters. Presence matters. Okay, do you, do you, how many of you ever remember, don't raise your hand, but do you ever remember getting lost at the store or lost somewhere? I can remember one time I got lost as a little kid, one of the early times that as a family, we went to Cedar Point, the amusement park. So we're there at Cedar Point and, and I'm a little kid and, and for however, I don't know how it happened, but I got lost from my parents. I couldn't see my parents. And I can remember as a little kid early on this feeling of panic that I am in the midst of this sea of people and I can't see dad and mom. I feel very nervous because I am at that moment what I feel to be alone. Even in, this, even in this place filled with thousands of people alone. Do you know, sometimes I find it interesting that people in, in a world that is crowded with people oftentimes feel exceptionally alone. Like, I, I, who do I have? Well, you have an advocate. You have this parakaleo, this, this one who is called alongside. Why does Jesus come to be numbered among us? Here the word is translated advocate and it's a wonderful way to translate the word advocate. It carries the idea even of some legal standing as in a court of law. Okay, where is it that the lawyer on behalf of the plaintiff, on the, the, the behalf of the defendant, where is it that the lawyer always identifies himself? I mean, it's interesting if, if, um, if Pastor Zacharias and Pastor Young are both, you know, if, they're, if one of them's a lawyer and, and one of them's the defendant, well, they, the lawyer doesn't identify way over here. Uh, your honor, the guy way over, listen, in our court of law, the lawyer's right next to, identifying with, standing to the side of. What is it that Jesus does? He says, hey, listen, I'm right by your side. Why does he come to be numbered with so he can be right there at my side my advocate why else does Jesus come to number himself with transgressors well to be my advocate to plead for them and also to be their answer to plead with them yeah he comes as my advocate I'm going to plead on your behalf but you know the first thing that he really does is he comes to plead with us what a difference it makes to have one numbered among us to plead with us. This is not one who does not understand. We have not this high priest who's never been touched with the feeling, the, the empathy of our own plight. We start to think that, 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 well, maybe nobody understands that's not true of Christ. This change, this this. He left the splendors of heaven and now he robes himself in flesh. This change is of such powerful conclusion and implication. The charge can never be leveled upon Jesus that, that he didn't understand or he didn't know. He suffered the indignancies of humanity. The creator coming as the created, he hungered. He was nursed. 
He was changed. He was bathed. He was instructed, rebuked, wearied, misrepresented, accused, suffered just as any other human. Why is it that he says, number me with, count me? Why? Well, in part, to be their answer, to plead with them. There were two men. This was back in the 1700s. In fact, 1732 to be exact. Leonard Dauber and David Nitschman, the two Moravian young men that sensed the call of God upon their life and that call so strong to go preach the gospel to those enslaved. They couldn't convince anyone. Count Zinzendorf encouraged them. He strengthened their resolve. But so many others said, no, it shouldn't be done. We, 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 you can't even find passage. There's no ship that will take you there. Over and over and over again, these two young men sensed setback after setback after setback. But their call to preach the gospel to the slaves in the West Indies was something that they could not escape. They were asked, what will you do? Because when, when people such as you, they were from Germany, when people such as you go to these islands in the West Indies, they don't live, they can't even survive and you can't make a living. And they said this, they said, then we will sell ourselves into slavery that we might preach the gospel to the slaves. Do you know the, the, the missionary endeavors that, that now are legendary from the Moravian missions movement, it, it staggers our mind and in many ways it came from two who said, I will go and identify myself among them. Why is it that Jesus came? And let me ask you this, thinking through these two Moravians who go and say, hey, listen, we'll, we'll sell ourselves into slavery. What a powerful message to the slave. What a work that says, listen, why, why would you? Do you know on, on many occasions, it's not the same. It's not the same. And, and I don't know that he is here this evening, but so many times um, Dr. Geddes Allen will be in these services. And, and I have shared ministry and, and laughter and life with Geddes Allen over the course of a lot of years. And one of those things that, that he and I shared with others through the course of a lot of years of ministry was, was going into the, the maximum security prison, Holman Prison. And you know, when you go in to minister to them, you, you have to be searched yourself. I took my ventriloquist dummy in one time and they actually searched the dummy, okay? You suffer some indignancies. Now, I will tell you, I didn't sign up as a prisoner to preach to the prisoners. But this is the, the length to which they were willing and that is the length to which Christ came. You go in to preach in a maximum security prison and, and you are locked in and the gate closes behind you. And, and if you preach on, on death row in the, in the very heart of the prison, you go literally into a cage where, where there are bars surrounding you and then you preach to. There is something meaningful, I, I suppose, I, I think, to those who understand that you have come to them. But I, I, didn't, I didn't say, okay, number me among. 
But this is the length to which Jesus came. To what end? To plead with them. And what is then his example to us? You know, as we close these thoughts, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. <laughs> this man. Now they came and they're, they're looking back in judgment upon Jesus. Ha, look at him. Look, look at him. You see him? He receives sinners. And not only that, not only does he accept them, he eats with them. What a statement of fellowship. What a statement of identifying to actually sit down and have a meal with sinners. What is his example for us? The word receiveth. Ah, oh, he receiveth sinners. The word is rich. It means to receive to oneself, to admit to give access to, to receive one into companionship. Companionship. As in this person is actually my friend. We dine together. I, I sit down with them and, and, uh, and we have fellowship around a meal. The those who sat in judgment of Jesus said, this man receiveth sinners. And not only does he admit them to himself, he actually dines with them. The charge was made against Christ on two occasions. In Matthew 11, verse 19, this charge was made against him twice. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Then in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, the son of man has come eating and drinking. And ye say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. While it clearly was not intended to be a compliment, what wonderfully high praise it is to have it said of Jesus that he is a friend, a friend of sinners. Do you know to, to be a friend, you have to, especially of sinners, it can get a little messy. And what kind of sinners? I suppose sinners of every sort, every shape, every size. I know most of our children are, are at VBS and, and I don't mean to sensationalize this, but if I were seated at a meal and a harlot came and began to pay me special attention and even to, to wash my feet, wow, would I be a little uncomfortable because she is a known sinner. You know, Jesus came and he said, um, number me, count me 
Uh, where, where do you want to be counted uh, with them? With, among them. Now, he's not a sinner. He's not a transgressor. But he was numbered with. Things, things will get messy when we start to find ourselves numbering with, receiving, receiving, calling one to ourself. Uh, come alongside me. Come walk with me. Uh, let's have a meal together. Of what kind of sinners? Now, should we qualify? Before we get too crazy with this, should we qualify what kind of sinners could we, could we actually have that kind of fellowship with? Because, whoo, boy, this could, get a little, this could get a little messy. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus doesn't qualify any sinner other than sinner? Friend of. By God's grace, he will continue to challenge our thinking about the power of the gospel to save to the uttermost them that are lost. 